What is happening, guys? Welcome to episode 19 of the Triage Method podcast. I'm recording this from Clanmel Tipperary, so again, we've got to change the location. Paddy's still in his hometown, Fair City, Dublin. How are you, Paddy, this week? <laughs> I am absolutely, unbelievably fantastic. It's been a good week. Good. Anyway, Gary, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about... um. Nutrition. People like nutrition. And I feel like even though we always come back to the same advice all the time, people always want to hear nutrition talk because I think they think there's something new coming. But anyway, we'll chat about it. Um, So today we're going to be talking a little bit about how people kind of start doing or, or start practicing dietary practices that they don't necessarily need or need to do or know exactly why they're doing them so things such as you know whether it's a very low fat diet very low carbohydrate diet a ketogenic diet uh, a vegan diet like anything that is kind of out of the realms of being normal or balanced that's kind of what we want to talk about today am i right yeah boy Um, and this is one of those things that you almost have to earn your right to do it and that sounds really almost condescending or whatever because i know everyone wants to have the secrets and they see what these people are doing these advanced people these bodybuilders or whoever it is that you look up to in the fitness and health industry um you see them doing these dietary practices but you don't realize that they've actually earned well potentially they haven't as well but they've earned the right to do these dietary practices and they are doing them for specific reasons because it's suiting them at this specific moment in time, right? And what I mean by that is you going low carb, someone, your favorite fitness blogger, whatever is saying, oh, low carb works perfectly for me. And they don't give you any context for that, right? So you look at that and you go, oh yeah, low carb. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down to almost ketogenic levels and have like 50 grams of carbs per day. That's all I'm going to do. Because you think that's the secret that got them to the position they're in right now but most often or more often than not it simply isn't you know they've put in the years of eating a quote-unquote balanced diet and i suppose we'll kind of touch on what that actually looks like in the day-to-day practice a little bit later on so you can kind of see where we're coming from but they've put in the years of eating a balanced diet and they can or they, they they understand their body enough that they can play around with these things and get results because of that, you know, or more often than not, in spite of that, you know. So at the end of the day, we know for a fact, and I'm sorry if this offends you and it triggers you or whatever, but calories in and calories out is the biggest determinant of your weight gain or weight loss. Now, obviously, there are other factors that go into that. It isn't just a matter of, you know, the, the second law of thermodynamics. It's, it's not just that. Well, it is just that because we are we are not a closed system, but we are kind of. But there's, there's a lot of internal processes that go on that are dictating where that weight goes, how that weight is distributed, if it's muscle, if it's fat, all those kind of things. So there is a lot of hormonal stuff that does affect the the way those calories the way that energy is dispersed within your body and used within your body utilized by your body but at the end of the day it all comes back to energy 
you know? So you have, you have to realize that. And even when we talk about stuff later on about, you know, Oh, well, you know, you can do this, you can eat this and you can eat a lower carb diet. If these are your goals and all that kind of stuff, like, yes, they all apply. And maybe they're manipulating some master regulator of hormones and, you know, all this magic words buzzwords that you hear and yeah it might be affecting those but at the end of the day if you're not controlling for calories or eating a diet that allows you to control for calories you are not going to get the results that you want so i just wanted to put that out there because people want to think there's a secret there's a secret diet that they don't even have to think about nutrition anymore and what calories don't matter because i don't know I'm, i'm low carb or i'm low fat or whatever like they don't matter it's like, yeah, they, they, that is the foundation of everything that we're going to discuss today, right? So you need to get that into your head that everything we discuss, you need to view it through the lens that either these things are affecting you hormonally, so they make it easier for you to perhaps gain more muscle than gaining fat. And I'm, I'm talking like easier as in, you know, it's 0.5% easier. Like it's not like, oh, I switched my macronutrients and I gained 30 pounds of muscle overnight, like that's not what we're talking about. Um, but you have to view it all within the lens that calories matter. Calories are the most important thing in your diet. Yep. I I I agree with that. It'd be funny if I just turned around and disagreed with that and just started saying the calories don't matter. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think I think a lot of you like if you're listening to this. I hope that you've read some of our content and I hope you're in the militia anyway, like obviously, but I hope that you are aware that it is calories that actually like do matter most when it comes to changes in body weight, at least chronically. And that's one of the things I want to touch on very quickly um, in relation to these dieting things. I think it, it'll kind of take us along the right path. But w- when I say chronically, that means like long term. So for example, if you were to eat a certain level of calories for the next 12 weeks, then that would predict largely the change in body weight that takes place. But where this goes wrong for people a lot of the time is they'll like jump on a low carbohydrate diet, for example. And then what they'll see is like a rapid drop in body weight. And then they see it as being, oh, it's not just calories because I've dieted on this level of calories before, but I lost more weight this time. And what that is, is it an acute change in body weight? And that's not necessarily the result of body fat, but it could also be the result of the loss of stored glycogen or water that was being retained with that glycogen or in other compartments of the body. It could also be the fact that maybe you're storing less food contents in your gut, things like that. So that's an acute change in body weight, but that doesn't necessarily predict longer term changes in body weight. And you'll see this a lot in any, you know, studies related to low carbohydrate dieting. You know, people will always they'll they'll say oh but they lost this much weight overall and then like they they like do like a dexa scan and stuff and you'll see different kind of i guess different levels of fat-free mass and then they like carb load the people again and then like the fat-free mass comes out like changed again and you just see all these kind of compartmental shifts in like stored water stored glycogen things like that so we have to to really look at it through the lens of all right we're talking about chronic changes in body weight when it comes to calories but acute changes in body weight could be coming from you know various other factors within the system as well yeah and that is something that people don't take into account when they actually look at their nutrition protocols they they look for the here and now rather than the long term like they're not looking down the road they're like i always look at it like if you've ever I don't know how to gone for a walk up the mountains and it's, it's not an actual pathway, you know, like you have to actually look at where your feet are. 
Like if you've never done that before, like most dieters, you know, they're like, oh, well, I'm going to try this new fangled diet and whatever. Or maybe you've never dieted at all before and you're just getting into the, 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 the topic of nutrition and the whole discussion around it. And you, you are that person going for a hike through unfamiliar territory and on a mountainous path where you have to watch your, set, your steps, right? So you get so fixated on watching your steps that you don't, you don't look at the surrounding area at all. Like you, don't, you could literally walk up to a mountain lion or something and you just wouldn't know. Like it would be right in front of you before you notice because you're so concerned with the here and now you're, where your next step is, where the next foot goes, you know? Like right that very second. You're not actually looking at the, the broader or the bigger picture, you know? And that's where a lot of people fall down. They look for that transient change, like you're saying, like, oh, I dropped a load of carbs out of my diet, so I, I, I lost a lot of water waste, some glycogen, some food in the digestive system, excuse me, and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, this diet is the best diet I've ever been on. But they're not looking down the line, like how that affects them in terms of hormonal processes, how, how that affects them in terms of social situations, how that affects them in terms of their actual results. Because obviously if you're dieting for whatever reason, you are dieting for a reason, you know? So you want to keep the, the goal in mind. Like you want to keep the goal the goal and not just get enamored with the process. Like you don't want to become a zealot even though the process has stopped working. Because you'll see that often. Like people will go keto and they'll be like, oh, I'm doing it for weight loss. And they've been, they look, they, they measure their ketones and all this jazz and they're not getting the results that they want. But because it worked initially, they've bought in, like they bought in big time because it, like it showed results. Like it was like, boom, okay, I want to lose weight. Oh, fuck. I'm one week in this diet and I've lost two kilos. I've been struggling to lose kilo, two kilos for the last year. This diet is awesome, right? So they get this huge buy-in, this huge like love with the diet and you know, 10 weeks down the line, they're, they're not losing weight. So they're not actually getting the results that they wanted. And it becomes one of those things where it's like, you've fallen in love with the process, but you've forgotten your goals, you know, and that you don't want to get discouraged. You don't want to get, I don't know what you want to call distracted, I suppose, by shiny objects, like the weight on the scale. Like, yes, obviously it is an important factor, but you want to look at this longer term because I presume the majority of you aren't just looking for fat loss right now like yes you might have an event that's coming up that you're like i wouldn't mind losing a little bit of weight or on the opposite side of the scale you're like you're not looking to just gain a load of muscle overnight like yeah cool you want to look good at the beach or whatever it is that you want to gain muscle for like you're looking at this long term like you're looking at this like where does this put me five years down the line 10 years down the line like yeah cool weight loss is fun and great and whatever else but like is that something that's actually sustainable for your entire life you know and obviously there's going to be times when you diet that are going to be somewhat unsustainable like you might have to go into a calorie deficit that you just don't enjoy being that low on calories but by doing that you're facilitating or setting yourself up for long-term success you know so there are going to be points like that and i'm not talking about your diet has to be sustainable at every single point during a diet or during a diet but you should be looking long term with your strategies like where do they put you down the line and how will this fit into your overall health? Because like, yeah, body composition is cool and performance is cool. But the, the biggest thing you want to be looking at is your health. You know, where, where does that leave you? Where does your diet leave you health wise? You know? So Gary, 
what are some of the kind of diet flaws or rather diet setups that people fall into or you've seen people kind of look to for quick answers or quick results you know like what what kind of diets are we talking about like we've mentioned low carb we've mentioned like keto and stuff like that but like what what are the what are the things you're seeing and yeah, what are the kind of diets that you're seeing people fall for and then i'll kind of add to that mm-hmm. <clears throat> one, of, one of the things actually and i suppose it's not really a diet but more of a, a tool within the diet that i've seen kind of abused somewhat is the intermittent fasting um i think that's one of those tools that has been I guess misunderstood because I can't, I think initially when, when intermittent fasting kind of, you know, not initially, obviously it's been around forever, but you know, when it gained popularity in the last few years, everyone was like, Oh, it, it produces unique changes in body composition in that, you know, you lose more fat by virtue of having a fasting window. And that was one of those arguments. And then, you know, more research came out to show that, okay, maybe that's not quite true. And it is just all down to calories again, you know, it all comes back to this, but, um, you know, what a lot of people will do is kind of first, they'll kind of have it in their mind that the intermittent fast is is going to lead to, you know, better fat loss results. And that's because they have this experience where I just went 16 hours without food. And they're like, you know, I just went that period without food. I could feel myself being hungry. And they might have some sort of loose theory around like fat oxidation and things like that. And then what they come, they come to that conclusion that they're going to lose more fat and it's it's sometimes partially belief but also partially lies within the actual experience because you know people like to feel the side effects we've talked about this before but you know they like to feel the side effects of the process that's going on so if they can you know go through that struggle that their grind of of fasting for 16 hours they really feel like they're putting in the work and that they're almost like entitled to those results and then there's also the fact that if you do fast for 16 hours, you feel lighter. You've got this kind of weird, like, cognitive high going on from catecholamines and all that good fun stuff. And, like, people feel like there's something new or novel going on. <clears throat> and as a result, they kind of expect better results from it. But again, it's looking at these acute feelings and, you know, things that they believe in as opposed to the actual chronic, you know, results. And it kind of comes back to, again, like, the sustainability argument when it comes to dieting is one that kind of gets <clears throat> thrown around and misunderstood in my opinion because the way i understand something like when it comes to me saying a diet should be sustainable what i'm looking at is the overall structure in that like how you eat throughout the day the food types that you choose things like that the rough macronutrient breakdown they're the things that should be sustainable i'm not saying that the calorie level needs to be sustainable because again that could just be an acute change that goes towards your actual goal so that's just one point to clear up on the sustainability sustainability point but when it comes to you know intermittent fasting the problem i see is that a lot of people use these feelings to justify it as being a viable dietary strategy but they're really like truthfully just using it to kind of get that that binge eating window within the hours that they actually do eat like that's what a lot of people seem to fall into they just want to have big crazy large meals and you know justify all of these hyper palatable calorie dense foods and again there's a lot of things going on there that are coming to them justifying it and somehow like rationalizing it as a better approach when it mightn't be in the long term if you think about whether or not you could can sustain it whether or not your cognitive performance 
at your job, your physical performance at your job is adequate, whether your training is adequate. Um, we know that it's probably not optimal for muscle gain or muscle retention. Um, so all those two things do have to be considered within the overall context. And I just want to add to that, that the, like all the, all the diets that we're going to discuss today, like this is not those saying that these are bad diets because everything has its place. Like they're all, they're all tools in the toolbox, especially with like say intermittent fasting. Like it, it has, a place like Gary, you're currently intermittent fasting somewhat, aren't you? Yeah, I should have added. Yeah, that. so yeah, like I'm pretty much doing that 16 hour fast, like pretty yeah, much. Yeah, so like all of these things are tools in the toolbox. What we're saying is, especially with the discussion around this, is not getting enamored with the tools. Like, like it's like picking up a wrench and saying, like, oh, this this shiny wrench is is awesome. It's like no, you want you want to use that wrench for something. The thing that you do with the wrench is awesome. You know, um, that, and again, that goes back to like the results you're looking for. That's what we should be looking at rather than the actual tools that you use to get to those results. Like inter- intermittent fasting has like definitely has a place, especially if it allows you to adhere to your calories better. It allows you to hear, adhere to your diet better. So it does definitely have a place. And for some people, it could be the exact thing that they need to initiate a diet and break those kind of habits around like even like bodybuilders, you know, having to eat every two hours, they're waking, basically waking up in the middle of the night to eat, you know? So like breaking some of these things and realizing that, you know, your muscle isn't going to fall off if you don't eat for a while, you know, or breaking the kind of cycle around as soon as you get hungry, you have to eat. Cause a lot of people are beholden to those emotions. And there's like, we can really dig into like your childhood and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, start actually breaking down those layers as to why like a little bit of hunger makes you feel like you have no control and the only way you can feel happy then is by eating, you know? So we could really get in, dive deep into that kind of stuff, but that's realistically neither of our fields. Like, um, so intermittent fasting is definitely, it has a place and all the diets we talk about have a place, but they're just tools. So don't view them as the be all and end all. That's basically what we're saying. Anyway, Gary, next diet, what are you seeing? We, intermittent fasting, people are using it to justify their binge eating, People are using it because they they, they, they feel it. They're, they're feeling a bit of hunger. They're feeling that little hunger bite in their stomach. And then they're going, oh, yeah, no, that's that's fat loss right there. Right there. That little bite of hunger, that is straight up fat loss, you know. And then they look at all these research and they go, oh, yeah, like that's that's validating my bias. And they look at the research against their bias and they go, no, 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 no. Th- those guys don't understand, right? So people are using intermittent fasting. What other diets are you seeing? Yeah. And, and before we get on to the next one, let me just add to slash reiterate your point by saying that, you know, nothing, nothing we are saying, like we're, we're not trying to bash any of these strategies. But what I really want people to get out of this is understand what the actual mechanism that produces your results is. And that is, you know, if it comes to if, if it's fat loss, it is that calorie deficit or that negative energy balance. And all of these things are just tools, like Paddy said. So we just want you to understand the mechanism and then ditch the the other proposed mechanisms so that you can actually empower yourself and then understand that these are actually tools that you can use. So I suppose the next one that is probably the, the one that will never die is, is the, the low carb slash keto thing, you know? Um, and I, th- I think a lot of people like... Definitely, like people that are even aware, I think that calories are the most important thing, still believe that low carb slash keto ketogenic dieting does have some unique properties. And I've spoken to people about this who have said, no, Gary, you know, I've dieted with the same amount of calories on two different diets. 
And I definitely lost way more fat when I was on the low carb slash ketogenic diet. And like, there's there, one of the things that tends to happen in this case is that like, particularly with the ketogenic diet, people tend to be much better at, you know, like people that are people that have chosen to do this, like very seriously, let's say they're much better at staying on track and not messing up because you kind of can't. Like in that, if you are on a ketogenic diet and you know that you have to restrict your carbohydrate intake to whatever, 30 grams or 50 grams or whatever marker you're using, then you tend to be less likely to go out for that meal. You tend to be less likely to pick at those biscuits because you yourself know that like your sole goal is to use this tool and be in a ketogenic state. And hence, you can't really go off track. So there's that kind of extra bit of restriction, that extra barrier there that kind of stops people. And, and as a result, adherence can be better sometimes. But also a big, a big part of it, you know, with people being quite, I guess, tied to the ketogenic start slash low carb thing is that, again, that, that drop in water weight, that general feeling of being lighter, you know, the maybe the lower fiber, the lower volume foods, they tend to feel like they're not quite as as, as swollen around the midsection or as heavy in general. Um, so that, that again is one of the things. But again, you know, it's just a tool. And some people do find that low carbohydrate dieting does help them to adhere very well to that calorie deficit, you know. But again, it's it's still it's still not clear. I think a lot of people do misrepresent the, the low carb keto thing and saying that it is much easier to adhere to. Like, the diet fit study that was done last year like that that was a full 12 month study and they compared low carb and low fat and like people the the low carb group the the level of adherence to the desired level of carbohydrate intake which was in that ketogenic range like was much poorer like people found it far more difficult so i definitely think it is mis misrepresented when people say that it is easier to adhere to a ketogenic or low carb diet like maybe some people do find that but definitely not everyone yeah, and this is this again is the thing. Like, the, I mean, it's going to be recurring when we talk about these diets. The majority of these diets are working true calories, right? But the reason they're working is they increase your adherence. You know, so yeah, okay. For some people, a ketogenic diet or a, a low carb diet may facilitate them adhering to the diet better because, like you said, they just go, "Oh no, I don't eat biscuits." You know, like it's it's just not part of their their diet. Whereas when they have this, we'll call it full spectrum diet like they're looking at like a balanced macronutrient profile diet they have some carbs they have some fats they have some protein and you, you're offered the biscuits you're like maybe it might it might fit my 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 carbohydrates you know like you have no immediate barrier and as a result you know you can just dive right into it you know so like yeah for some people it's definitely going to increase the adherence of the actual program that they want that they want to get to you know the, the results that they're getting so again it, it has its place it is definitely a tool especially you'll find the lower carb dieting side of things is a great tool for people that have really poor relationships with food and that can kind of seem a bit out there because if you have a poor relationship with food why am i going to make the diet more restrictive but it kind of like we said with the intermittent fasting it kind of breaks down some of those immediate things where you're like oh i need sugar i need sugar to get me through today i need sugar like you're, you're looking for that constant it's almost like a drug addiction you know like people have this relationship with it and you know a low carb diet or a ketogenic diet may allow you break those habits may allow you break that kind of reward circuitry you've built up in the brain around sugar or carbohydrates or any macronutrient really um 
but it allows you break that, you know? So it has its place. It can definitely be used. You'll definitely find more obese people or more overweight people will be less sensitive to the effects of insulin. So, you know, definitely in those populations, I would be kind of skewing the stuff towards a lower carb approach. But even then, it's kind of not like if, if someone was like, oh, actually, I enjoy carbs. Like the main thing I'm looking at is calories, you know? Like, yeah, I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to keep you on a little bit higher fat, um, and still have carbohydrates in the diet, but because they're not as sensitive to the effects of insulin, that that glucose is not getting into the cell like we wanted to. Like, yeah, I'm probably going to skew them a little bit towards the higher fat, but I'd still have a more moderate approach to both those macronutrients rather than going on that really, really restrictive carbohydrate approach. And this is kind of the next diet I'm going to just mention. I'm going to mention it, Gary, uh, is people just cutting out entire food groups right and that could be down to like an entire macronutrient you know like we just said like basically just cutting out carbohydrates you know but same with people just cutting out fat and going really really low fat because you know oh like i don't want to get heart disease or whatever it is you know they've just cut out a food or i've cut out a macronutrients but then you also have the other people that just cut out an entire we'll call it food type or food group like people go on a paleo diet and they just cut out completely like gluten is not part of their diet. Like anything that contains gluten is not part of their diet. Um, I don't know. You, what, there's loads of them around that you can think of where people are just like, oh no, I don't eat those types of food. You know, it could be saturated fat. Oh, I just don't ever eat saturated fat. You know, like all those kind of diets, all those restrictive diets that you're cutting out a food type, a food group, a macronutrient. Again, yes, they're, they are going to potentially facilitate weight loss, but that is true increasing your adherence because like we said with you know the the lower carb thing you're like oh that's just not part of my diet like if i say cut out i don't know junk food and you've been eating two packets of crisps every day and you do nothing else but just cut out those two packets of crisps of course you're going to lose weight like you're eating less calories now you know and obviously it's going to be easier for you to stick to because you can just be like oh that's just not part of my diet no that's just not part of my diet you know rather than going like i could actually probably fit in half a packet of crisps today like who's going to stop at the half a packet of crisps like you have to build up that willpower to actually be able to do that which a lot of people just don't have it right now you know so all of those kind of diets where we're cutting out a macronutrient cutting out a food group a food type whatever else like yes there are definitely benefits to some of those and especially in populations that have we'll call it subclinical allergies or whatever you want to call it that suits your your cognitive biases but whatever it is that they just, it doesn't suit their, their gut well, it doesn't suit their body well, certain food groups, yes, cutting them out is going to help them stick to their diet better because they're going to feel healthier, they're going to feel better. So there are definitely types or subclasses within this type of diet that 100% have a place, you know? But a lot of people don't have issues and fall down these this kind of rabbit hole. Yeah. And actually you just you just reminded me as well. And I think this is a this is a good one that's kind of more on the edge, I guess. That like there there may be like do you know the whole gut rebuilding, gut revamp, gut detox diet kind of thing? You know, this is one of those ones that, you know, became really popular in the last few years because of all of the research into, you know, the microbiome and things like that. And, you know, everyone's doing these high dose, you know, probiotics and, you know, religiously eating fermenting, fermented foods and all that. And it's like, all that stuff is great. But, you know, 
like these these diets that are tailored towards the gut microbiome and you know having a healthier gut and eliminating inflammatory foods and stuff it's like you know a lot of people jump directly to being like it's oh it's not calories it's because i fixed my gut and it's like okay you know there's there's a there's going to be a degree of you you know improving the health of your gut your microbiome your digestive function and you know maybe not craving the same foods maybe different levels of caloric extraction different levels of micronutrient extraction and, and absorption and things like that like there is a degree of that but what you have to remember that when it comes to these kind of gut rebuilding diets that that are proposed sometimes is that they generally are quite restrictive and they generally do involve you eating primarily whole foods as opposed to these inflammatory foods which are generally the processed foods that people overeat anyway so a lot of the the results that people you know show you in terms of weight loss fat loss improved body composition they do still tend to to be through that lens of energy balance and maybe some of that is because they felt less crap and they moved more and things like that and maybe they they weren't as anxious or they weren't as depressed their mood wasn't as low and they moved more and they were more into their exercise there is stuff that worked just to add to that gary yeah when when you think about it like think about it logically right if you are rebuilding your gut and your gut now functions better that Mm. means you are extracting more calories from your diet so if anything like if anything rebuilding your gut is going to make you fatter you know so you, you have to look at this again in an objective lens where it's like, yeah, okay, de- it definitely has a place. And especially for people that are struggling to, ad- excuse me, fucking burping here. Uh, people that are struggling to adhere to their diet because, you know, they eat something and then they're like bloated for three days. And it's like, well, I feel like shit. I just want to reach for chocolate or yeah, I want to reach for whatever it is. Like hundred percent fixing. And that's in, air quotes there fixing your gut is going to help that person you know avoiding these foods that are inflammatory or are not acceptable to the body as it currently is like 100 percent, that's going to help you adhere to your diet first of all and also make you feel good and like you said move a little bit more actually facilitate you training like i don't know if any of you have tried to fucking train do some squats or some hip thrusts or anything like that while you feel eight months pregnant bloated you know so Obviously, you're not going to put your full force or your full effort into those training sessions because you feel like fucking shit, you know? So like 100%, all of these things, it makes sense why people do them, and it may, it may make sense for you at this time. But as we've been saying, it all falls back down. It is calories at the end of the day that you are controlling for. And yes, there are internal processes that will dictate how you actually utilize those calories like you said like maybe you do get better nutrient extraction now because your gut microbiome is working efficiently because you've repopulated it with a load of different you know whatever gut flora and it's like yeah okay cool now you're getting all these extra nutrients that perhaps you were deficient in and now you know like some of these fat soluble vitamins or butyric acid or any of these kind of things it's like yeah okay cool like we're, we're actually feeding ourselves efficiently now and we're actually able to rebuild and you know actually build on top of the body. So I'm actually able to more effectively build muscle now, you know, like, so it, it all has a place, you know, and you have to view it through that. Like what, why did this diet work for me? Like, is this the diet that I need to stick to forever? Because for some people it is going to be the diet that they need to stick to forever. Like people with like FODMAP issues and stuff like that, or any kind of like digestive issues. Like if you actually have a, a real issue, like colitis 
or like ulcerative colitis or uh, Crohn's disease or celiac or anything like that, like you're going to probably need to stick to that diet forever. You know, like, unfortunately, I'm sorry, but that's that's the, the story. Like, yes, you may not need to be as restrictive as you once were, but you're going to need to stick to some sort of framework that you've been working with, you know? So it all has a place, but realize that, like you were saying, it's it's not that be all and end all. Like, that's not the diet. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people just kind of play the the low key gastroenterologist card, like you know, on Instagram. They're, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix your gut, bro, and and it's just like there, there's there's a lot more to it, and and it still is kind of a lot of it is working through that lens of of energy balance still, and it's not just a magic thing that like when you have a certain level of fucking bacteroides that you just start burning all of the calories. Um, so do keep that in mind. And like the funny example is, is, you know, celiac disease. When people actually do have celiac disease, they actually, they lose more weight because they fucking shit themselves. So it's like, it's not like just by virtue of having something wrong in your gut that you gain more weight, you know? Um, but anyway, what do you think for the next? I actually, I actually feel, feel, I actually feel good about the rise of paleo. Like I actually really like a paleo yeah. template. I really like, West Western A price paleo style template for your diet. I think it's a really, really good way to set up your overall dieting structure. Like, yeah, you may need to tweak it based on your activity level and may need to tweak it based on your unique genetics and requirements. Like 100%, you're going to need to tweak it. But that as a template, really, really like that because it's really focusing on the whole micronutrient profile of the diet in itself. And they do recognize that calories matter as well, even though people in the paleo world seem to forget that. Like I really like Rob Wolf and like every single thing, he's like, yeah, like calories matter. But because he also espouses this paleo diet, people just forget about that conversation. He's like, like half of his conversation, he's like, yeah, calories matter. And food quality matters. So people just forget that, that he said calories matter and they just look at the food quality matters, you know, like that's all they look at, you know? So it's like, oh, like that, that you're misrepresenting his argument and that makes him look bad, but that's not what he said, you know? So like, I do like that as a framework, but I feel really good, I suppose, I suppose you could say I feel really good about the rise of that whole paleo thing because all these celiacs got fucking a shitload of new different types of food that they can now eat like before if you were a celiac you'd walk into a shop and be like yeah i can eat maybe some fruit and maybe some vegetables then they can walk in they're like oh we got gluten-free bread we got fucking gluten-free cookies we got gluten-free fucking this and this and this you know it's like they literally it's just opened up an entire world of possibilities and the fucking capitalist in me is like man I fucking love these entrepreneurial spirits yeah. that just went down and saw, look at all these fools eating their fucking glu- afraid of gluten. So I'm just going to make some fucking gluten free, whatever it is. Like they literally, you can just lash on like the hashtag gluten free onto a bottle of water and people will be like, Oh my God, I need to fucking, <laughs> I need to get that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, on that note of Rob Wolf as well, it, it, there was actually another example of that with um, a video Chris Masterjohn posted. He was he was making a, a video about, um, like Chris Masterjohn, he does a lot of the writing for the Western A Price for anyone who's into it. So he did a lot of writing for them and um, overall genius. But anyway, he he's big into, you know, talking about the specifics of micronutrients and different food groups and things like that and puts out a lot of good shit. But he made a video then on, on you know, his tips for losing weight. And he was talking about tracking calories and using my fitness pal and stuff. And all the comments were like, you know, oh, I can't believe you're fucking saying this, like as if like he had been, you know, only as if he didn't represent that argument of saying that oh, calories actually do matter. Like, again, people just misrepresenting the whole point because, you know, it 
food quality matters and calories matter. So don't think that we're like saying that food quality doesn't matter either because it clearly does. And that's why we tell you to eat like a fucking adult. But, um, but anyway, what's the next diet you think is, is relevant? Oh, I was going to say like veganism, Vegan. and <laughs> veganism and like pescatarianism and vegetarianism. Now looking at that from a morality standpoint, like I can, I can somewhat understand that, although it does somewhat misrepresent the argument. Well, it does actually entirely misrepresent the argument because like plants and trees have feelings as well. Like, man, like tree, trees are sentient. Plants are sentient. You know, we just don't classify them as this. So like, yeah, okay, you can, you can justify it and say like, oh, I don't like eating a vegan or I don't like eating a meat diet because like all oh, cows are beautiful animals and they're they're just cute i couldn't look into his eyes and kill it but you are killing the grass if you cut it you know like that smell you smell when you smell grass is the grass signaling it's basically the grass screaming to tell the grass around it that there is some sort of predator in here that is coming to kill us you know same with trees like if a tree is sick within like a, a forest or whatever like if a tree is sick like it will send or the trees around it will send that sick tree nutrients you know so all these plants, they're fucking smart. And yeah, they might not be able to move like you and they may not be able to think like you, but they're doing some complex fucking shit. So saying that, oh, it's okay to eat plants, like you're misrepresenting the argument of what life is just because it fits your bias that you don't like eating cows or you don't like eating animals that we classify as okay. So I can understand it from an, a morality standpoint. If you're just like, look, I wouldn't be able to kill a cow, so I'm not going to eat meat. You know, I'm like, cool. I'm not going to argue with you on that whole topic. You know, but from every other kind of perspective of a vegan or a vegetarian diet, there is definitely a place for it. And you might be surprised by me saying that after I just said like, oh, blah blah blah. You know, the morality thing doesn't stand up. There definitely is a place for it you know especially if you're coming from a very very poor western diet you know having a block of eating where you're focusing on actually eating vegetables eating a diverse range of vegetables is really good and i'm not talking to the vegetarians and vegans that realistically they shouldn't be classified as vegetarians and vegans because they just eat bread you know it's like oh yeah, I'm, I'm a vegetarian and all they eat, like 70% of their diet is just bread. It's like, that's not a vegetarian. You know, that's not a vegan. You know, you're, you just are a breadarian. You know, like you just fucking care about eating bread, you know? And, and they make the whole argument that again, oh, well, it's better for the environment. Like it's not. Like these people, these are the same people that are like, oh yeah, it's better for the environment and they have no problem flying on an airplane or driving a car. And it's like, those two things are way more detrimental to the environment than agriculture you know um but anyway that i digress so a vegan vegetarian diet pescatarian diet like definitely has a place and i'm not going to say it, you shouldn't do it and it's definitely a good learning experience because you can then understand the micronutrient profile of vegetables and stuff a lot better especially if you do it well and you do it with good intentions however i don't think it is a great long-term approach you know like it's not not that it can't be done, because it, it certainly can be done long term. But if you are looking for your best and most optimal health, I don't think for the vast majority of the population, it's going to be your best 
diet, you know? And I'm not saying you have to eat meat every single day as a vegetarian. You're going, okay, look, he says it's not my best diet. I want to move to a more quote unquote optimal diet. Like I'm not saying you have to be slamming down kilos of meat every single day, you know, but having some meat in your diet will be more beneficial, you know? Yeah, boy. Agreed. And I think, you know, the, the, the rise of, of veganism and, and vegetarianism, is, it's pretty obvious. Like, it's pretty obvious even even where it's come from. Like, if, if you look at, like, I don't know, I don't know about up in Dublin, but a lot of the even billboards, like, I've seen them in Limerick. Um, I remember I was over in the UK and in front of every single urine, they had, you know, the whole go vegan and vegan world ads. And, you know, they've got these real, like, propaganda, like, fucking images of like a cow looking at looking at you with her baby and being like um would you take this mother from her baby and all this kind of shit you know it's it's just real like fucking dark propaganda from the vegan world and you know it's it's kind of spread to netflix as well which is just like if you're listening to this and you're and you're you come here for nutrition information please 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 do not go to netflix for nutrition information because it's it's actually so clear from every one of their nutrition documentaries how much of a vegan bias they actually have you know and i think i i can't count the amount of messages i've gotten in the past few months about what the health and you know people are people are like literally shitting themselves i had one guy message me at two in the morning being like gary i can't go to sleep is this true is it like about what the health and stuff and i was like jesus dude ch- chill out man <laughs> like you know um so people really have been kind of um you know push down the the road of road of feeling like they need to go vegan based on you know the 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 ethical side of things but also from a health perspective you know a lot of those documentaries on what the health misrepresent a lot of the contributors to human health and they use a lot of pretty dark tactics like patty when we watched it you brought up the point of you know how what the health adhered so well to joseph goebel's guide to nazi propaganda um and a lot of those documentaries are kind of made out in that way in that they are propaganda and the same with the advertisements that you see and you know you wouldn't expect to see that about like you know other types of dieting and and it is just one of those ones that really does get forced down people's throat um and i think yeah i I just think it's it's been forced and vegans tend to be kind of well i wouldn't misrepresent vegans but there tends to be a bit of aggression there in that they'll attack you and say you fucking stabbed a cow basically and you're willing to fucking take their blood and all this and it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa chill so you know i have nothing against vegans or vegan diets as you said i think they can be healthy but i think you know a diet that requires micromanagement you know of different micronutrients amino acids and things like that in that in that you do really have to focus on it and also potentially supplementation cannot be inherently healthy like by nature like by definition if you need to go and supplement and micromanage your diet then it is you know a less appropriate diet to recommend to the masses in my opinion yeah like the whole b12 side of things with things like with the, the vegan vegetarian thing it's just it's always swept under the rug like it's like oh yeah that's not an issue don't worry like you just have to get b12 injections every week because you know the diet isn't sufficient for you to actually live and thrive you know it's no bother like it's it's no it's no big issue you know and um, again yeah vegan food vegetarian food man some of that shit is fucking delicious so keep it up i don't fucking mind um but yeah some of the tactics that p- people use well it's the same with every diet 
like you're being you're being fucking bad out on vegans but i do agree with you uh, <laughs> and they generally tend to be a little bit more forceful in their approach but it's the same like you look at the iifim crowd which is also a diet i'm going to talk about next um but you look at them like they're really forceful it's like <laughs> Are you stupid? Like you fucking still drink your protein shake after your fucking workout? Don't you know protein timing doesn't fucking matter? You know, it's like they're just as forceful. So like that's not a fair representation of vegans. It's just most people do that in response to vegans because it's a diet that is so different than perhaps what you grew up with or were used to as a whole. But yeah, if you do care about all that stuff, then actually ethically source your meat you know talk get go to a farmer talk to them like there, there is that whole sustainability side of the equation that people just prefer to disregard like agriculture only works like even like mass growing crops that are going to feed your your vegetarian your vegan diet only works in the presence of animals you know, unless you want to have a really, really eroded soil and a shit, like a fucking shit ton of artificial, fer- well, I say artificial, but fer- fertilizers put on those crops, you know? So like, if you're actually looking at this from a long-term perspective and you actually care about the earth and are looking at your carbon footprint and you're looking at all this from like a green side of things, you know, an ethical side of things for the world, like you want to have ethical farming then and actually have farms that sequester carbon like a good farm would because that is how a farm should work like the soil should be growing rather than the soil being degraded on a good farm you know so that is something to consider if you are really really touched by the whole vegan vegetarian side of the argument then actually ethically source your meat go down to the farm see how they treat their animals see what the setup is like like do all that thing get your get your meat direct from them you know, like that. If, if that's how much you care about it, that's what you need to do. And that's like the market is driven by demand, you know, like the supply will only, well, the supply will be there regardless to an extent, but the supply will only come when there's a demand. So if you, if all of you are like, oh man, I need to go vegan because X, Y, and Z, it's like, if you want to push the, the meat industry a certain direction, then you need to actually push the meat industry a certain direction. Like you can't just boycott it because people people are just not going to care at the other end of the scale. So they'll get their meat from fucking anywhere, you know? So the industry will still be there and you just haven't pushed it in the right direction. So yeah, the next one is IFYM, right? And you might be surprised to say that because we're talking about counting your calories, counting your macros, etc. right? And that is the, the premise of if it fits your macros. Like you can eat anything as long as it fits your macros. However, people use that to justify really, really fucking shitty behaviors around food. You know, like they use it to just neck a load of sugar, neck a load of fucking crappy fats, neck a load of fucking really low quality protein. And it's all good because I hit my macros. Or again, like it encompasses other diets, like they might be IFYM, but they do intermittent fasting as well. You know, it's like, oh, I do both. And like I, I binge eat, but I stay within my calories and my macros. And, you know, it's all, it's all fucking G, man. Um, so it, it is one of those, we'll say, pathways of dieting that people really, really fuck up. Because it is, it is this quote-unquote scientific way to diet but the way people implement that is counter to what the science says like 
the way it came about that whole IIFIM principle it came about because people were like, oh, I'm, I'm stuck eating these 10 bro foods. And like, can I eat a banana? Like, is that okay? And if it fits your macros, yeah, cool. You can eat a banana. So that's how it started. Like being able to fish other good food into your diet and realizing that you're going to still stay on track as long as it stays within your calories and it stays within your macronutrient goals, you know? But then people started abusing it being like, oh yeah, so I can fit like popcorn in. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Popcorn is not a bad thing. And then people are like, oh, well, I want to have some like chocolate. And it's like, yeah, cool. Chocolate's not so bad as long as you know, it's not like the major contributor of your diet. And then it's like, okay, cool. So I'm going to have these Skittles. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, you can fit them in. Like, it's it's probably not optimal. And I, I probably wouldn't be doing it, like, all the time. You're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then it becomes, oh, every day I'm having Skittles. And you're like, okay, like, why why are you doing that? And then it's like, oh, every one of my meals is, like, McDonald's and fucking KFC and whatever else. And you're like, what? Like, what? how the fuck did this go from, oh, I just want to be able to fit a banana <laughs> into my diet because, you know, I just want to know if it's okay. And you're like, okay, it is okay because it fits my macros. And then that just turns into, I'm going to eat like a fucking kid in a candy shop. And it's okay because it fits my macros. It's like, no. And then just, I hate the argument where people are like, oh, well, I'll just supplement to, uh, you know, counter any of those effects. So they're like, yeah, I just drink a green shake. That's if they even do that. And I just take, and then I just take a multivitamin. And it's like, man, there is shit in food that we don't even know what it does. And it's, a huge component of that food. Like you think we're smart enough to understand all this stuff. It's like, nah, we have literally just scratched the surface, you know, like we can get down to like micro RNAs and stuff. Like that's what I, the argument I always look going down to. Like you can look up like broccoli micro RNAs and how they actually influence your entire genetics or your epigenetics, I suppose. Um, well, it is your epigenetics, but your whole genetic expression. So you can look, you can look into that and you'll be like, fuck man, there's actually, you know, these micro RNAs in broccoli. So when I eat broccoli, they are getting into my bloodstream because they've, they've tracked that and they've seen it. And these are interacting with my genome. And like, if you look at the data that we have before the, that kind of research was put out, like we would just been like, oh yeah, there is like one or two bioactive ingredients and, you know, a couple of minerals, a couple of vitamins. And yeah, it's all G after that. It's like, no, like it's, there's so much in there that we just don't even know. Like we don't even have the ability to, see what's in there like we don't even know where to look even though you think like oh it's just this fucking head of broccoli like i just look at it but it's like no we don't even need to we don't even know what is happening with that full digestion of that broccoli and how it affects us you know so it's a complete misrepresentation of the argument when you say like oh if it fits in my macros i can eat fucking anything like yes you can however if you are genuinely concerned about your health and performance and not just going for that transient body composition it's not the way to structure your diet, you know? Like, yes, it is the way to structure your diet if you're using it or using it to facilitate you eating a wide variety of meat, vegetables, nuts, you know, tubers, some grains, and some healthy, quote-unquote, fat sources. Like, yeah, are you doing that? Like, perfect. And then you want to have a treat every once in a while? No bother. No issues with that. But if you start looking at your diet and you're going oh yeah, like I have whatever, 21 meals a week and 16 of those are shit. Like you have an issue then, you know? Yeah, and and like that that's 
that's something I don't think a lot of people are aware of, like where IFOM actually came from. You know, it came from those from the bodybuilding.com forums, like you said, when people just wanted to kind of fit things in. And, you know, it kind of just blew up then. And then the other thing that kind of that adds on to that is people like this really pisses me off. Like people often use like it, you can tell they haven't read the research because they cite they cite research on flexible dieting practices. And, and they cite it in relation to them justifying eating all this shit in their diet. And it's like, you are assuming that your IFYM approach or your understanding of it is synonymous with flexible dieting in the research, which is just completely not true. You know, Lyle always talks about this. Um, so like you should look at the work of Lyle McDonald if you want to actually read about this because he's done probably the most writing on it. Um, but, you know, essentially what flexible dieting means in when it comes to research and when it's referred to in research is more so related to kind of dietary mindset you know your actual mindset as it relates to dieting and not feeling like you are being rigid and stuck to a certain diet a certain meal plan that sort of thing so it's more so flexibility in in like your mental approach and your dietary approach as a whole as opposed to flexible dieting being synonymous with eating fucking oreos and biscuits all day long okay um so it is something that you actually do have to to remember because you know i see this sometimes where people cite those studies and it's like you clearly didn't read it because that's not what the study said and they just use it to justify their their poor eating habits um and again like when it comes to to dietary adherence like people always talk about ifom as some some as leading to better dietary adherence but you know a lot of the time it doesn't man i've talked to some of the most like strongly willed like IFOM people in that like you know it's nearly their religion and you talk to them about like them prepping for competitions and stuff and they're just like oh yeah I binged the whole way through it's like like what the fuck like you know it's like you this clearly isn't working for you you it clearly isn't facilitating your adherence and it's completely understandable because if you're using an IFOM approach and what I mean by that now like the typical I real extreme IFOM dieter Really doesn't matter where you get your carb sources. They'll eat fucking biscuits and cookies, maybe a bowl of oats with a load of cookies in it um, and chocolate syrup over the top. And, you know, they'll get their protein from maybe a protein bar, a shake, and maybe like something like one chicken meal or something like that. And then, you know, if you're doing that and you're coupling that with a calorie deficit and increases in hunger and exercise, then it's completely understandable why you would want to overeat. Because you're not full from a food volume perspective or getting in enough fiber or having whole protein sources, but you're also completely driving your reward system all of the time. And that every time you eat a meal, it's ridiculously palatable, it's ridiculously tasty, and you're going to have that drive to overeat more of it. Like if you have 500 calories of chi- a chicken and vegetable stir fry and you finish that meal, you know, you might want another few bites. But realistically, you're probably not going to look at another plate and be like, oh, I'm fucking dying to have that, you know, really need that. Whereas if you have 500 calories of Oreos, very easy to eat another 500 calories of them. Like, too easy, if one may say. But So you just have to keep that in mind, you know. It, it does, It we, like... It's nice to get bogged down in the, the, the micronutrition side of things because that is undoubtedly like ridiculously relevant. But also from an adherence perspective, I think people misrepresent IFOM as if it re- makes it far more easily easy to adhere. And it's like in the context of you maybe fitting in a scoop of ice cream once a week. Yeah, fair enough. It probably does enhance your adherence. It gives you a little bit of a mental break, a psychological break. But in the context of you having Oreos, ice cream, crisps and chocolate every day, I'm not convinced it's going to enhance your adherence all that much. Yeah, 100%. And also, like, you have to think of it long term, like, 
first of all, do you want to teach your children to eat like that? Like, do you want to teach your children that, you know, fucking, I'm just going to eat a crisp sandwich here and like it, it hits my macro. So fucking YOLO, like genuinely, do you think that's going to set them up for good dietary patterns in the future? Same again with like having literally zero structure to your diet, you know, like not, basically not even having a breakfast. Like if I get up, like, yeah, maybe I might have a breakfast could be fucking two o'clock before I eat because they probably generally you'll see this population doesn't have good sleep structure as well because they're it's generally like younger people students and that kind of stuff that really are big proponents of this and then obviously like people in their young or younger 20s and stuff that basically haven't grown up from that kind of student mentality or that kind of teen mentality and they're the ones that are kind of like pushing it got oh yeah like i can just eat whatever i want whenever i want and it's like yeah you've no structure to your diet you have no ability to regulate your diet or have rather have any good dietary patterns like if i just destroyed my fitness pal like i infected it with a virus tomorrow like half these people just wouldn't know how to eat like they have no they have no concept like if they can't find it on my fitness pal they won't eat it you know if they if they can't weigh and measure it they won't eat it you know like it's like like this this is pretty fucked up the way that you've got so far out of a well quite say quote unquote intuitive eating which is what i want to say next <laughs> um but you've gotten so far out of this pattern that of like real we'll say eating and people have just gone like oh like it's just all, my fitness pal ifim that's all that fucking matters like i'll eat ice cream every single day and like you said like i've talked to a lot of bodybuilders and like people that are prepped and stuff and the exact same story it's like oh yeah like i binged every week because and I just did punishment cardio because, you know, calories at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And it's like, man, this, this is fucked up that you have this relationship with food. Like, yeah, okay. Like definitely prepping for a show and stuff. Like you're going to have all these fucking weird ass hunger signals and all that kind of shit going on. But um, like it's not a sustainable way to diet. Like if you have to do 400 calories of cardio every single fucking day, because you binge every single fucking day, like that's a bad place to be in. Like, yeah, cool. Like you may fucking love training, but genuinely, if you're on your third cardio session of the day, because you can't stop eating tubs of Ben and Jerry's, like I fucking really reevaluate my overall approach to dieting you know anyway next one then intuitive eating this is possibly the biggest load of bullshit in the fucking fitness industry and one of the things <laughs> that i really really hate because it's people like misrepresent the the evolution will say and um, like they the, the people that are saying oh intuitive eating is fucking awesome it's what i do and they have put in the groundwork like they have don't they've tracked their calories for ages they have set up good food structure. They have set up good meal plans in terms of in their head, they know, oh, this is roughly a 500 calorie meal with X amount of protein and X amount of carbs and X amount of fats. Like they, they know what it looks like on their plate. So they've already ingrained, they've probably done it for 10 years. They've ingrained all these good patterns in their psyche. They, they, they know what it looks like to eat on track or at a certain calorie level. And they're like, yeah, so I'm just intuitively eating right like gary you're you're a fan of intuitively eating you know in the we'll say quote-unquote off season for you when you're not actively dieting down you know and not that you get fat because you know you're you're trying to remain healthy but you intuitively eat but you know what those kind of meals look like to get you to a calorie level that kind of keeps you maybe slowly gaining weight or maintaining your weight you know what that looks like because you've tracked for so long you know and 
people are sold this uh, like oh, intuitive eating like just just listen to your hunger signals just listen to your your body and it's like if people were to genuinely listen to their hunger signals and listen to their body that's what got them to being obese in the first place that's what got them to being overweight in the first place they were listening to the hunger signals and their hunger signals were saying yeah eat that, eat that extra oreo eat, eat <laughs> that extra slice of pie like eat that extra 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 like that's how they got to in that position in the first place so saying oh it's intuitive like yeah it's intuitive to you who, have, who has tracked for 10 years but it's not intuitive to the person that is morbidly obese you know so it's it's just missing the steps i have no problem with intuitive eating as a concept the way that it is espoused to people, that's what I have the problem with because people are sold this lie that it's the be-all and end-all and it's magic. And it's like, yeah, it's only magic. and It's only the be-all and end-all when you have laid down this really, really good structure and dietary practices, you know? Yeah, it actually fucking kills me. Like, because the main proponents of this are generally like the the kind of, you know, anti-diet body acceptance crew, you know? And and a lot of, the, a lot of them actually... <laughs> Paddy's face, you know, the anti-diet body acceptance crew. And the, the general narrative is actually hilarious because it's so contradictory. There, It goes like this. It's like, I used to be so neurotic about my diet. I used to look at food and only see calories. I used to be aware of all of the calories that were in all of my food. I did this for years and years and years. You know, I had such a terrible relationship with food. I used to binge all the time. And now I intuitively eat. And it's like, do you fucking realize what you just said? Like you literally just explicitly said that you spent these years calculating everything that was in your food. Therefore, by definition, it is not intuitive. Like it's it's not intuitive at all. Like to, to the beginner, like you're actually doing them a complete disservice to tell them to intuitively eat because they have no fucking idea what that means. You know, all they know is I am hungry. I like cookies uh, or I am not hungry at the moment. You know, it, it kind of goes like that. You know, so, so a lot of people's intuition would be to, Wake up in the morning, oh, have a piece of toast, maybe a glass of orange juice. Don't really like having lunch. Rather go out and have a, a fag and a coffee. And then dinner, oh, KFC's on the way home. It's like, like that's people's intuition because intuition goes along with kind of convenience because convenience essentially feeds that intuition. So that, that's what you're going to be more likely to do. So I think it's it's something that is often proposed with such altruism you know in that these this body acceptance crowd are generally like we don't want you to have to go through what we went through and all this and it's like all right so like you you couldn't stick to a diet you couldn't you know go along with the dietary process that actually gets people results that does not mean that somebody else won't be able to so many people have been able to so to just you know tell sell them your kind of story and say that you're trying to save them is a bit kind of ignorant to the reality of their actual situation because you're the one that has actually gone through the process of knowing what causes you to fail, of knowing you what, of, of knowing what's in your food. So keep that in mind because yeah, like you said, intuitively, intuitive eating, completely misrepresented. Like as you said, I I I kind of adopt that approach very loosely sometimes, but again, like I know what I'm eating. You know, when I'm in, when I'm intuitively eating, I know that I'm roughly getting two hundred to two hundred and 30 grams of protein. I know that I'm, you know, getting in whatever amount of carbs. I know that I'm getting in whatever amount of fat. I know my rough calorie intake, you know, and I have a structure to my day, you know. So it's it's not like it's it's changing and very variable and based solely on hunger yeah, either. Any way 
is there any other diet that you're kind of like fuck like that's also a dietary pitfall that people commonly or you commonly see people fall into because as i said like all of these things do to have a place and even though we may appear to be bagging on some of these things like saying like oh this is awful like obviously we're only highlighting the bad things and some of these things obviously do have a place like if you have an intuitive eating ability like you're able to actually intuitively eat and get good results like fucking more power to you same with ifim if you're like yeah like i actually genuinely do not give a fucking shit about my health you know like cool i'm not here to like i'm not here to tell you that you have to you know but maybe someone wants to care about their health and you're giving them bad advice then you know so like if you do fucking not care about your health like fucking yeah i don't care if you eat oreos and skittles all day and that's how you get your carbs and you get your fucking protein from fucking, I don't know, beans or something. I don't, like, I don't fucking care what you do, you know? But a lot of people do fall down these dietary pitfalls and get enamored with the entire process rather than the results. And also they forget the actual results that they're looking for are not just body composition, their actual health and performance as well. And when I say performance, I mean both physical and mental performance. Anyway, any other diets that you're seeing people fall down into? Um, I want to add one more thing to the the intuitive eating thing because this is actually something I've seen in my own girlfriend, Laura. Like she regulate like some people, people that are lean, like kind of all their lives, they regulate. They tend to be good at regulating their body weight, you know, and they tend to actually have quite good intuition. But they're generally not the people that are that are going into this looking to find a solution. So, like with, with in Laura's case, like if she was to track her calories and, and she's done this a couple of times she'd actually kill me she doesn't listen to our podcast anyway fuck it be grand <laughs> she's in the, she's she's in the militia though because she's she is in the smart. militia but like you know what one of the things she notices when she does try and track her calories and i've seen this with a good few people is that you fall into this trap of having a target and being hyper aware of what you're eating so she would have spent maybe the, the last like 22 years trying to you know, or, or not thinking about her nutrition and simply being in a place of, oh, I kind of eat these foods when I'm when I'm hungry and she has a good solid base of eating habits and that she eats whole foods. So re- as a result, regulates her body weight really well. Whereas if she's to have that, that set target, suddenly she is hyper aware that foods are numbers and that she can fit in certain things and that, oh, I have 400 calories left. I need to eat those. Whereas in the past, maybe she would have stopped at like, 1500 one day 2500 the next and that's what you'll see a lot of people that have been lean all their lives do they tend to have this pattern of maybe all right they do have days where they go out and they eat and they overeat but then they actually compensate by eating a little bit less and they do this really well so that when they track start tracking calories it can almost be something that actually does make it a bit harder so you know keep that in mind as well not everyone needs to jump to tracking calories especially if you've if you're listening to this you've been lean all your life and you just want to gain a little bit of muscle it might just be a case of you maybe being more conscious with your protein intake and maybe adding making the meals that you normally eat a little bit larger or or smaller or whatever yeah and that, that is a good point to make that again there are obviously intuitive eaters that have done intuitive eating if you want to call it that their entire life and all they need to do is focus on say a little bit of a a protein goal like they 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 have never prioritized it and just saying like all all i want you to do is eat a pan full full of protein at every single meal and that's that's the only thing they have to change about their diet and really focus on and it's like yeah okay cool now we're actually getting the results that you wanted and you don't have any like over overly neurotic association around dieting due to having to 
obsessively track your calories. And it's like, yeah, cool. Like that's, that's exactly what we want. And that's, that is intuitive eating done right. But again, the most, the majority of people that intuitive eating is sold to are the people that are overweight that want to lose weight or have some fat to lose. And they're just being so like, Oh, I did that for years and it's just no good. Or people are sold like they're coming into the, the whole fitness sphere and they see their favorite YouTuber and he's like, Oh, well I'm eating intuitively now. And then they think like, Oh, I have to eat intuitively as well. Like that's, that's how he got where he is. And it's like, no, he got where he is because he tracked his calories and ate a real whole foods diet for the last 10 years and that's why he's looking juicy and large you know that's that's why he looks like that it's not because he's been intuitively eating for the last two months you know so you do have to do that like unless you are actually aware of the signals your body is giving you and how different macronutrients affect you and how different food sources affect you then like you can't say it is intuitive because you're not you, you're not listening to the signals because you don't know what those signals are yet so wait i think that that kind of covers the majority of the dietary approaches. I don't, I don't think there are ever any other major ones. Like I know that the carnivore diet is, is picking up quite a bit of traction because of Sean Baker and, you know, his agenda there with that. But um, I don't think many people are, are going to latch onto that, to be honest, because it's it's like, like, are you really just going to eat steak? Like, like literally only steak? Like it, that that's not even a question. Like we, we don't even need to get into the health side there. It's like, do you really want to live your life that way? <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know, steak's good, but man, come on. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but even that, again, again, like, there probably is, like, certain benefits at certain times that that may be a viable approach yeah. and maybe a fantastic approach even. Like, 100%. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that it, like, all these things that we've discussed, we're not saying that they can't be done and we're not saying that they don't have a place in your arsenal like they probably all fucking do like realistically at the end of the day like there is no one truth except for the calorie story so if adhering to a carnivore diet gives you good health like you're tracking your blood work you're tracking your performance mental performance physical performance and you're tracking all of these different metrics and you notice oh i'm eating a load of meat and all of these metrics are going in the right direction you know perfect you're on the bang on diet right for you at this moment Again, you still have to keep tracking them. And then if you start noticing that, okay, well, they're not going the way I wanted to. My body weight isn't going the way I wanted it to. My muscle isn't go- muscle mass isn't going the way I wanted it to. Then you have to start addressing why that is. And maybe it is then, okay, you've you've got the, the maximal benefits from this quote-unquote carnivore diet. Um, and then you need to start introducing some carbohydrates or some more fats or whatever it is. You know, So again, what we're saying is don't get enamored by the tools. Look at the larger scope and the larger picture of what you're trying to achieve by dieting in the long term. And again, it, it realistically, it should be health. Like what's going to facilitate you being the healthiest you that you possibly can be for the longest time possible, you know? Anyway, I think we should wrap it up here, Gary. We've got a Facebook Live to do within the militia because yeah. there are boys and girls and we love them. So... Do you have any parting words? Um, I suppose actually one thing for people to keep in mind, being eye-opening for me having started placement, like I've worked in a hospital before, but you know, being the, being in the hospital this week, it really kind of reiterates all of the points that we always make about health, you know? Because you see people that are like, you know, in their late 50s, 60s, and they're due like, you know, 
a, a double like total hip replacement or total knee replacements and they're on you know antihypertensives they're on statins they're on like nerve nerve painkillers like they're they're on everything everything under the sun like lists of eight to 12 medications and that's basically just there to kind of keep them you know ticking along and trying to trying to trying to keep life life moving you know and, and it's one of those things where you know you are in the position now at whether you're 20 25 30 whatever you are to prevent that in the long term like sure there will be some degeneration as you age but you are in the position to actually ensure that you're not that person that is that your kids have to mind prematurely or you're not that person that is leaving your kids prematurely due to cardiovascular disease or whatever like you are the one that actually has that power and it's not about making that decision when you're 50 like it's not about you know deciding that oh okay i'm going to be adherent to taking my antihypertensives now at 60 years old it's about saying right now that my nutrition actually is a priority. Exercising is a priority. Sleeping enough is a priority. And creating a life that you actually enjoy is a priority because you cannot catch up later. Like you can try, you can like medication and modern conventional medicine will drag your life on, but it isn't necessarily going to reverse the damage that you did in your 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever. So take charge now or deal with the yeah, consequences I actually, later. I also hate that argument when people are like, oh, I don't know what I did to, like, why why me? Why did I deserve this fucking disease or whatever? It's like, man, like if we just did a quick recall of your life, it's like, okay, so from the time when you were 16, maybe even earlier until the time you were 35, like you were drinking whatever, 30 units of alcohol a week. You know, you were sleeping less than five hours for half that time, you know, and it's like, like, obviously, like all of these things are informing where you are right now, you know, so that that's what you're getting all these, these issues. And now, obviously, like I'm not talking about like you just have a genetic abnormality and you get cancer as a result or, you know, a random mutation or whatever. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, what I'm talking about is like these pre- again, quote unquote, preventable diseases like metabolic syndrome, all that kind of stuff and cardiovascular stuff. You know, obviously there is genetic components as well. But again, what we're saying is you should be aware of these genetic components like for you as an individual and should be addressing them then. Like if you if you know in your family there's a history of heart disease, you know in your family there's a history, history of obesity, you know there's a history of diabetes, you know there's a history of X, Y, and Z, whatever the fuck it is. Like you should be looking into how can you prevent that as an individual and not just for yourself, but also for your descendants. Like, cause it, it's, it's somewhere in your family. So that it may have like skipped a generation. It may have skipped you and all your brothers and sisters have it or whatever, but you know, there's a strong chance that your children will indeed have it as well, you know? So you should be able to understand how nutrition, how lifestyle factors play into your disease risk. And therefore you're going to actually be able to help your family long-term, you know? So hundred percent, I'm in agreement with you, Gary. So basically look after your diet, look after your training, look after your lifestyle, and we're all going to make it. It's going to be too fucking easy. I can't wait till we're about like 180 and doing backflips. Still making podcasts. Oh, 100%. Like we'll, all, we'll be on like fucking podcast 3 million. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to podcast 3 million. <laughs> It'd be good crack like. Anyway, any final parting words? No? No, have a fucking good week, peeps. A, a good week? <laughs> have a fucking good life. Enjoy. Peace out.